Hello, right, so good morning all. Hi. So this is episode 66 uh-huh. and we had another guest. We did, uh, our third in a row, uh, Hattrick. <laughs> yes, quite a few guests this week, yeah. it's unusual. <laughs> so this was Malcolm Teasdale. Yes, uh, who is a travel addict, self-confessed travel addict, um, uh, which is obviously something close to our hearts. And he's an adventure traveller, um, and he was a, uh, well, is an entrepreneur as well. Um, and that's kind of how he built his life travelling, well, found his love of travelling through business. Um, and then once he'd kind of retired, he went back into business because he was bored and then continued travel. Um, yeah. He's been to 98 countries, I think it was. Absolutely nuts, yeah. <laughs> 98 different countries. Interesting guy, basically was employed and he and a colleague decided, no, we can do this better, yeah. built a business, built it up, made it an international company, yeah, and then sold it, it mm-hmm. and then went off traveling around the globe. And yeah, he's yeah an interesting guy. So it was an interesting conversation to be had with somebody, a like-minded person when it comes to travel, I think. Yes, well, another like-minded soul. I think. Yeah. That's what we keep uncovering with uh, with this podcast and, and meeting some really interesting people. Yeah, so enjoy. Hi, Malcolm. Thanks for joining us. Our pleasure. Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, really appreciate you joining the uh, Smiling Entrepreneurs podcast. And um, just before we started... Uh, recording, I was just explaining, I was quite excited to have a chat with you because I think we have, um, well, it sounds like you're probably somewhat more well-traveled than we are, but um, we we embarked on our world travels back in 2018, mm-hmm. it was back 2018. And um, and so I've been doing a bit of reading up on your website and uh, and so on. So if you, would you mind sharing with our audience some of your background and your history and your kind of philosophy on stuff like this? Well, I spend a lot of my time, well, uh, 2020 aside, uh, for obvious reasons, but um, this day and age, or before then, and hopefully this year, we spend more time on the road uh, uh, traveling. Basically, that's what I do now, um, because I, I'm out, sort of out of the business world to a degree, even though I talk about it uh, occasionally, because uh, I speak on various cruise lines to provide enrichment talks and uh, educational talks about various subjects. This is while the ship's at sea before they get to a port and everyone bails out, right? I'd never been on a ship before, to be honest, until I sort of got asked to do this thing. Anyway, it's, it's all right, you know, it keeps me uh, looking forward to uh, a bit of travel and it's interesting about the place I can go to. But yeah, I, I had a business, which it was a startup back in, um, well, a long time ago, but 15 years later, we were able to sell it. Uh, we got acquired by a large corporation, which meant myself and my partner was early retirement. He was ready to bail out anyway. I said, oh, okay. Um, so it seemed like a great idea at the time. Well, it was actually a great idea at the time. This is 2013, but after six months, I started to get a little bit bored. So um, I'd already been traveling a lot on business, probably too much actually. Um, but I had this quest to... Um, travel a little bit more, go to uh, more uh, off the beaten track places, obscure some of them. So um, all of a sudden I became a travel addict. Sad to say, but I'm one of those. And uh, <laughs> and that's what I spend my time doing now. And I write about it mainly because when I 
however old I get, when I become senile, I'm laying in my bed, I can read these books about myself and think, who is that guy? You know, and uh, it allows me to remember stuff. But anyway, that's what I do. Did I hope to do a lot more before I eventually uh, bite the dust? Yeah. Okay. What was your business in? Because it sounds like you've kind of, as business owners ourselves, and obviously we know a, a lot of other business owners, that's the dream, right? To build something from scratch, build it up, and then hopefully one day either be able to, well, fundamentally be able to sell it ultimately. Sell because it. that's what real value is, is in a business ultimately, isn't it? So what were you involved in at the time? Uh, technology, basically. But funny enough, um, I was living in Canada way back when. And I was working for a company I didn't really enjoy, but I, I joined a company over there who moved me back to Britain where I lived in South Wales. And uh, I started to get itchy feet um, after about a uh, year and a half, and I was going to move to Papua New Guinea. Seems crazy, but anyway, the company I worked for decided to transfer me to Boca Raton, Florida. I thought, well, that sounds like a good deal, knowing that I'd be on the road. Anyway, I worked for them, a great company to work for, I may add, um, in the technology, but what they did, they had a product uh, as part of their portfolio that um, was a bit antiquated in technology. It wasn't their main focus of what they did. It's in telecommunications, by the way. And uh, myself and a, a buddy of mine who worked for the same company, he lived in Canada. We thought, you know, we could, we understand the importance of this little product here, and we think we can do a better job, better job in developing it further. Um, so we we took voluntary layoff. And then we, we left and we started a process of developing a product that was sort of compete with theirs, but we knew it was better, more web-based technology, basically. And then uh, we started to market it and sell it. And uh, uh, then it, it went quite well. And our previous company sort of licensed it from us because they knew that. And then we expanded overseas and, uh, and uh, we got an international uh, market there. Um, I was interested in Asia a lot because it's difficult unless you, you're there because it's not time zone friendly. So I actually moved to Singapore in 2007. So I was able to do business within that region. So we grew the business over a number of years to the point where we had quite a lot of intellectual property and we had about 145 people working for us. And uh, then um, then we got approached by corporations and that, that's that's basically it. That's, that's a brief story, but you know, um, we, when we when we embarked on this, the, the thought of yeah maybe we'll grow it and sell it one day that wasn't in our brain cells at the time, but as we got approached, yeah, well yeah we're getting to that age where uh, we might want to consider selling it, and that's what ended up doing happily I should say. It's interesting hearing your. Um, it sounds like you've got a, a, a strong sense of adventure anyway in that you you and your your friend stroke colleague decided to go embark on an adventure with the business and then similar to a guest of ours nikki uh, a couple of days ago where she identified that there were certain business opportunities that weren't on the same landmass that she was living on but oh, the yeah. opportunity too interesting to not pursue and it sounds like you you seem to embrace that same philosophy it's like okay look there's an opportunity there and you moved to singapore and explored that and expanded that had you stayed on the same landmass those opportunities and that growth may never have happened yeah yeah it's um the, the re we did do this recklessly um we we made sure that um in north america we had a bit of a 
a handle on things there and it was a well-oiled machine and then we moved into the latin america area which was time zone friendly anyway um but to expand over in asia which they at that time uh to do business with these these folk uh you really had to be there personally and meet them because they won't do business with you unless they know you sort of personally that's why they trust you so i learned a bit about the culture then basically went over there and it all it, it all worked out but yeah i mean i was but while i was over there obviously got opportunities to venture off into other places and if i went to china or something i could stay there an extra few days and enjoy it you know and all that stuff so it was a, a worthwhile gamble so to speak but we felt secure in our in our mind that it was probably a good investment of time and money to do it. And uh, so that it worked out in the end, I guess. As a, a self-confessed travel addict, do you know how many countries you visited? Do you, do you know what your magic number is? Yeah, well, I, I do. Unfortunately, it's 98. Wow. <laughs> That's a few more than us at the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I know I need counselling. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's fantastic. And how how did the cruise lines come along? Because that's quite an unusual niche to be uh, speaking in. In fact, yeah, I this, this was this was I've never, I've never been on a cruise before, but um, I used to do um, some speaking at trade shows, uh, technology trade shows around the globe and uh, sales events. So um, after I uh, after we sold the company, then. I can't remember, but I got approached by an agency who I either found me on LinkedIn or something like that, who um, approached me and said, Matt, are you interested in doing this stuff? I said, I don't know. I've never been on a ship before, so I don't know. We'll give it a go. So um, back in, I think, probably 2015, I did my first gig on a cruise ship. It was a 10-day thing in the, the Caribbean. And you know what? I quite enjoyed it, you know, um, and it's quite peaceful, relaxing for me to get, or basically get up and talk in front of people for an hour on in the morning and answer questions. And that's about it. And then more and more opportunities came along for that. And I do it basically when I feel like it, I don't have to do it, but it depends where the ship is going to that may pique my interest. Um, last year, I don't know, 2018, um, 2019, I was able to get to the Baltics and St. Petersburg, Russia, for example, which was neat mm -hmm. on a cruise ship and I stop overnight. So these are the incentives that make, make me do it and probably mm -hmm. do a bit more. But I'm not going to yeah. be a fanatic. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be on the road 24 hours a day or 365 days of the year. I enjoy being at home, but it's there basically if I want it, you know, it's a good, good position to be in, I suppose. And so what kind of things do you talk about at these enrichment talks? I have a number of uh, talks. At, it could be business related, um, how to uh, create a success from an idea just based on what, what I've been through. Um, I make it sound a bit quirky, by the way. It's that British sense of humor thing. Um, and uh, I talk about the destinations that we're going to, adventure travel. And the, the reason I talk about destinations because where the ship sailing so people get to know a little bit about the history and geography of the place they're going to so they know what to expect or if they engage in conversation and that's that's basically the idea of the what they call enrichment talks to educate people but i i've got a number of them you know to do with travel adventure mm -hmm. travel trekking 
uh, going off the beaten track, um, how to become bilingual. I speak English and American, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we definitely Not need English, and French, English and American, two languages separated. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it just it, it's uh, factual. Um, and it, it's also got that element of, you know, humor, I guess. The idea mm. is to, to keep people entertained on the, on the ship, you know, and that's mm. what I'm asked to do. So um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. One of the... Um, one of the realizations we had when we we began our travels was um, certainly I certainly me in terms of my ego is I thought thought I was very much a fully formed human being. I didn't understand the concept of cultural bias. I wasn't even aware that I had it, and it wasn't until we were dropped in several different cultures that were far removed from the UK that suddenly yeah. it was only then that we started doing some real reflection on why we behave the way we, we behave, why we think the way we think. And you think you're independent, right? But it's amazing how much you function from the cultural bias as opposed to your own independence. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's important. Uh, before I embarked on trying to do business in a country, I learned a little bit, bit about the culture. I even learned a little bit about their history. So when I got there, it's, it's a plus because it's always really taken interest in our culture and our way of life and knows a bit about our history. So that, that's a positive thing. Mm. So I took time to learn that. But obviously going away to places for pleasure, sometimes it's birth by fire, isn't it? Yes. But my philosophy right now is that it's my quest to learn how the rest of the world works. You know, it, it, I just like to learn about foreign cultures, how people in the world live and whether it's in remote areas. That's cool. I just like to learn about that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a learning process. Uh, absolutely. And uh, they have to adapt to us, but, but I'm sort of proactive. I need to know how they work. Uh, I've been to remote villages in the, Nepal, in the Himalayas there, and uh, it's interesting how people live there. They're happy enough. Yes. Yeah, um, that, that's, that was a huge eye-opener for us as well in terms of the material aspects of when you're from the UK or you have strong, and we have family in the States as well, you, you, there's a concept of success that you, you grow up with in, in those cultures that when you go to cultures like you've just mentioned, it doesn't, it's not even on the radar. There's, there's, no. there's something fundamental, right? Yeah, not, not not even at all. And uh, one of the one of the wonderful one of the places I went to that stays in my mind, it will do forever. I went to the country of Bhutan a few years ago. Now it's not easy to get there, by the way, but if you ever get an opportunity to go there, guys, just do it. It's it's wonderful. But they've been stuck in their world for centuries. I haven't really moved too much forward. Um, they will. They are at their own pace. However, it's a rich cultural experience going there. I want to try and get to go back there this year again, you know, for the second time to climb up to Tiger's Nest Monastery yet again. But um, those places just, you know, um, are quite a, a shock for anyone who just would be beamed in there. Think, wow, how do people live like this? But they're probably one of the happiest nations on the planet. They're pretty happy the way they live. And yeah, uh, yeah in the country, they have one escalator and they didn't have TV until 1999. Wow. Just saying. Yeah. So, yeah. 
<laughs> but they're happy enough. They just tick along there and uh, I mix with the locals there. Just a lot of fun. I had a great time over there. Yeah, we had an, a similar experience when we went to Bali. Um, we didn't go to tourist Bali. We went to very much real in the sticks Bali. And um, some of the people that we met there um, that were associated with where we were staying, they, uh, one guy in particular that was looking after us, he he showed us his house. He lived with his parents and they were making like um, coconut milk and, yeah. and, and you know, showing us how they did that and all these different things. And, you know, they're living in one room with a mattress on the floor, you know, no TV. It's all cement walls, yeah. cement. There's no, no such thing as carpets. There's no lights. Or any of that. Yeah, you know, they all go to bed really early because when the sun goes down, they go to sleep yeah. because there's, there's no TV or lights yeah. or music. And, but as you say, they're like happier than anything. And he actually, because he was in, in touch with the tourist industry to a point, um, he had a different perspective. He had kind of both sides of the coin. Um, he actually did have a phone because it was provided through his work. But he felt sorry for us Westerners. Yeah. He he said, "You you are the poor ones because you you climb this yeah. ladder and it's all um, so flimsy and can you know break down at any point and you don't have any real." Um, kind of, I don't know, that grounded. Right. Everything was about working on the land and selling your your goods to the next person or swapping or whatever. Yeah, and he well, said, you don't have that. Well, he know? said, and he said, uh, one of the things that stuck with me, he, he said it so many times, because we were there for about a month, and uh, he, he kept saying to me, he said, you're not free. He yes. said, I'm free. He said, you're not free. He said, you're either, you, you are constantly climbing to buy, to consume and everything else. He said, as long as my land, as long as we have sun and rain, he said, our food is fine in our, because they, they had a piece of land that the whole family lived off. And, and he said, I'm yeah. free. You're not free. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel when he said that? I just wondered, what was your, you know, did it's, you think all of a sudden, yeah, maybe some, maybe he has something here. Yeah, it completely shook, because especially in business, right? It's, if you're... Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been in business now for 12 years. And before that, I was in corporate banking. And um, I, the whole concept of success, and especially coming from the UK as well, right? The, the idea of keeping up with the Joneses and all of that kind of lifestyle yeah. stuff. Um, exactly. Again, go back to cultural bias, right? Yeah. It's, that, it's, how, it's the yeah. lens into which you see the world. And yeah, this guy was basically coming along saying, no, 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 we need to change your glasses. You're, you're seeing the world in a very broken way. And it does make you question what you're working towards. I'll be honest, it's, it's, it, it make, question, yeah. makes you question a lot. It definitely stuck with us. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's interesting that you're in the States. Because because um, we had the experience of going from Bali, pretty much, we went via France, but pretty much straight to the States where we spent uh, Christmas with my family. Um, and to go from that kind of perspective in Bali to the excess of the United States and like one of the first places we ended up walking into was Walmart because we needed to stock up after we arrived. And, you know, that stark contrast was insane. But you must get that a lot from your travels and then arriving back in yeah. the States. Well, Buddhism's their philosophy is wealth doesn't make you happy. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, we, we know about that. Um, I'm just curious, whereabouts in Bali did you go to, like Ubud or? or uh, um, we were about an hour or... into the countryside from Ubud. So we were okay. right yeah. in the middle. Mm. 
beautiful countryside there. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, yeah, it was, we were either surrounded by what was it, it was what rice fields or, um, what were they growing behind us? Watermelons. Watermelons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or they grow wheat. I think it was if it was particularly dry, I think, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. yeah. And they live in these, these kind of volcanic, uh, cement colored, uh, compounds effectively each family. And, uh, yeah, we were well away from the tourist stuff. And in fact, all our travels, we stayed quite far away from the touristy type things. Exactly. But, um, yeah. I hear you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we were... It's a funny question. Sorry. Funny. <laughs> so I was just going to say, we were a little bit like you off the beaten track, probably not as far as, as yeah. you, because we probably didn't have as much courage. But <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we're as brave as your travels. <laughs> it, it's funny because the very first time I went to Bali, uh, myself and my wife, we went there. I can't remember what year it was now, but we stayed outside the main area on Ligian Beach, I think. But um, the night before we left town, we went to uh, the Hard Rock um, and just spent the night there, had a lot of fun. And we left the next day. And uh, then we went to Hong Kong, turned on TV in our hotel room in Hong Kong, and bang, got, that's when it got hit by the terrorist attack. Oh, wow. And they blew downtown Kuta. And it was actually just 24 hours after we'd been in downtown Kuta, it happened. So that was sort of yeah. a, a bit of a wake-up call there. Brutal, isn't it? When yeah. you hear something like that, it's like a beautiful island, and uh, you see you see that happen. But, oh, well. Yeah. But it's back back in action now. That's a good thing. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Well, when, when we were there, there were three earthquakes in the time that we were there. And, um, Whoa, and, wow. and that was our first experience of a, an earth. Well, actually, you, you'd experienced one when you were younger. But, um, but yeah, that, I think that really reminds you of your place in the world, you know, and the power of nature when you experience these things that, you know, oh, <laughs> you, yeah. you are a very small part of this planet when, when something like that happens. Yeah. yeah there, um, I mean, we have two young children. That, that, um, so it was the four of us traveling. And the... The interesting thing for me as well was it wasn't just being having individuals like Putu saying those things to us to us throughout that month. It was also um, there's there's like this the way I would try to describe it was like you have a dorm, when you live in England, it's entirely dormant, but there's a dormant part of your brain that's constantly that normally would be in places like Bali on high alert for snakes, yeah. spiders, earthquakes, volcanoes, whatever <laughs> it is, and it's not a fear thing. <laughs> It's not that you're walking around in terror. It's just that you are just you aware. are aware. Yeah. And I think when you're in England, you don't. You, everything is so safe that it it, that it never really clicks in. Maybe when you're driving, but that's about it. But and <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, well, okay. So where would you say, in terms of the places you've been, where would you say have put you the furthest out of your comfort zone? And what? Sorry, sorry. Um, what was that question, Lee? I was just saying, well, from all the places that you've been, where would you, which yeah. one would you suggest has put you the furthest out of your comfort zone? Furthest out of my comfort zone? Um, I, well, in 2019, I do scuba diving. And I, I got this quest because I'm sort of an avid scuba diver, but I do it when I can. Um, but... I want to go to a couple of the main dive sites in the world, which uh, are, are quite famous, actually. But one was on an island called Sipadan. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's remote mm -hmm. south of Borneo. It's yeah. quite an ordeal to get there, by the way. And it's quite out of the way. Uh, but 
I had to stay on this remote island. It's a small resort owned by the dive company, knowing that full well, if there was a dive accident, me, um, that you're pretty well toast at that time because there's no way you, you could actually get to the land mass quick enough to be seen to. So it's remote, but the diving there is pretty challenging, but it's unbelievable diving. And that's what I went there. And that pushed, well, the older I get is, is one of these things, but that sort of pushed my limit, but it was a wonderful experience. But back in my mind, I was thinking, God, I hope nothing goes wrong here, you know? Um, and, but, but really the more adventurous stuff I do, this is my way my mind works. The more I want to do is like push the envelope. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I've been to some, some places, mainly on business that joined uh, Risque Tiles and Cairo during the first Gulf crisis. And in Moscow during the final days of the Soviet Union, you can picture what that that's like, right? That was just unbelievable. And um, in Bogota, Colombia, during the, the time of the drug cartels, and I was worried about getting kidnapped in a taxi, you know, <laughs> things like that. And I read all about this, and I called my buddy up. I, I said, uh, my partner, I said, look, in case I get kidnapped, um, you know, that they're going to ask for a ransom. And he said. That's all right, no problem, Malcolm. We'll go up to a hundred dollars. That'll go far. Okay. Get the tone. And we anyway survived it. That's amazing. We all we mostly survive it, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you know, um I was in Myanmar a few years ago, three years ago, and I, I went to see a famous site there. I knew where my hotel was in town, but I picked up a taxi but the taxi headed eastwards instead of westwards and continued to do so, right? And I, I thought he'd safe in the Angon Myanmar, but he went over a bridge outside. I had to get him to pull over, tell him to get out of the car. And I'm thinking, how can I get another taxi from here um, to go back? And he saw reason in the end, and I pointed out I had to carry a mat with me. I said, you need to do this. And he did in the end, but that was sort of a bit, bit of a concerning because he was going away from the city and who knows yeah never never trust a taxi driver that's my no philosophy. no well um we we noticed that I, I like what you said earlier about the fact that you do your research prior to going to another country because yeah it's do. something yeah well you're very good at that um in terms yeah. of just making sure that because because there's an i think uh, there's almost an arrogance that comes with a British passport. Mm. Yeah, um, if you're white and with a British passport, you assume that, oh, everything's a bit like going on holiday and it's fine. You just turn up at the border and you just walk through and there's no yeah. issues. And I remember we went to, um, when we were in Thailand, we were given very, very strict, because again, we, we, we didn't stay in the hugely touristy areas, did we? We went where, 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 um well out out the way basically um, well, no it was it's where the locals tend to holiday rather yeah. than the british um and we weren't very far from uh, the royal family and things like that and we were given very strict instructions about how we should behave and how we should talk and um and the consequences if you don't behave in particular ways and you don't say things in a particular way and uh, and, yeah. and you see why people that go off traveling who who are used to just going to a resort Mm. or just like going and, and all they see is the resort they never see the country or anything else and they just assume it's just yeah. buttons with sun 
or whatever it is. And there's real peril, yeah. right? If you go, if you go into these countries with any, some countries with any sense of ignorance about what you are, can or can't say or can or can't do, you can end up in jail, and and that's your life done, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta you gotta, gotta be real careful. Their laws differ uh, between all the countries. Before and okay, you. Um, Lee alluded to this. You you check um, some stuff if it's safe to go there. I check the the, the government websites, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I don't just check the American one. I'll check the UK one and I'll check the Canadian one mm-hmm. because the government websites tend to be a bit biased. You know, because um, when I went to Saint Petersburg, I stayed all, overnight, and I read on the uh, the US government website. They basically said, "Don't go there." You know, and I thought, well, why? Well, the, they were, there was an ongoing spat. Was not ongoing, but there was a spat at that time. And the USA closed the consulate in St. Petersburg. Okay, maybe a, a, a maybe a little problem, but they were advising Americans not to go there. I still went because the, the Brits were going there, Canadians were going there, Europeans were going there, and I got on the UK website. Uh, good morning, so I said, yeah, it's all it's all okay. So I was happy with that. <laughs> so that's good enough so yeah you just yeah. but it's, you've got to do the, you've got to do the research as well I, I i admit that yeah yeah that's one of the things i was um speaking to somebody about recently actually is that you um you can't trust uh the, the things that you see in the in the media i mean obviously that's a that's a uh, an obvious statement yeah. anyway but they'll, pro- they'll um, project such biases towards certain uh, countries that are, that are just myths i mean we're, we learned some things about some countries in the middle east recently didn't we from yeah. a few different sources and we were very surprised that that's how it was there and they said yeah don't, don't believe what you see in the, the press a lot of the time because yeah. that's not how it yeah. really is yeah. and so we um we lean quite heavily on the kind of travel communities that we've been part of when we've been traveling and, and you know get a lot of advice from people on the ground really well, we saw uh i remember seeing a joe rogan podcast uh God, ages ago now and it was when london was having when knife crime was climbing in london and and i remember him talking to a guest saying oh you can't walk down the street it's the most da- london is really dangerous you can't go from a to b in london it's it's a you, you'll get stabbed it's yeah. horrendous wow. And I remember thinking, wow. there's six million people in London. It's like it's it's a I really know. safe place most of the time, right? But the media had them. <laughs> it was a terrifying place. Exactly. Yeah, we noticed that on a lot of our travels. Well, actually. like any yeah. major city, it's actually bad areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but any, any, yeah, any major city has bad it's areas. You just don't go there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. It's just a bit of a lag, I think, going on. Well, yeah, you know, so Yeah, I mean, every country in your, and the one that you're in always has places where you definitely shouldn't go or, or you, you, you increase your risk. It's going to be interesting, though. I mean, I'd be interesting, Malcolm, to hear your thoughts on the future of travel, given that, not necessarily that um, I think people's ability to travel will still be there, but what I think people's perception of managing risk has changed over the last 12 months, because obviously we're all yep. very 
because that's life, right? We all have to manage risk. You manage risk the moment you get out of bed and walk down the stairs. You're always managing risk. Yeah. Um, how do you see the future in that regard with travel and things like that? Because there's an acceptance of risk with travel, a, a risk reward ratio, if you like, that we all we all embrace. Yeah. So how do you yeah. see that moving forward over the coming of you? Obviously, I, it sounds like you're you're fully on board. It's just like, let's get life started. But how do you see it yeah. as an industry and, and, and all of that right now moving forward? I think it's probably going to be all right. And people are going to um, worry about in their own way, um, even though I, I, I'm fortunate, I'm, I'm still British, but I'm, I'm American also. And um, but people who uh, come to America, they probably have their own reasons not to come here because they think it's a little unsafe. Now, there's a, a country safety index. I don't know if you know this, if you look at it and it tells you what is the safest countries in the world and lists them all out. OK, you'll be surprised when you read this about what who is a safe country and where in the world is not. Um, but will it change? Uh, I, I'm not sure after this pandemic's gone away, uh, but there'll always be uprisings and uh, disturbances. Um, but generally speaking, you know, most of the countries I see are welcoming to tourists. You know, as long as you don't go to the bad areas or you just use that uh, piece of common sense you had, you said, no, I'm, I want to do some adventure stuff, but it seems safe to me and you know just it's, it's common sense as far as I'm, I'm concerned and for example I, I I'm not going to go to North Korea anytime soon I'm not going to go to Syria no no intention of going to these places so uh but I'll I don't know probably the older you get I think the more concerned you are about safety I don't know um uh, but I'm still not that concerned if you know what I mean so I'll still yeah. go off the bean track. I'm not going yeah. to go out to any places which are in uh, full of trouble and strife. No, 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 no need to do that. I personally feel that uh, travel is going to have um, a bit of a kind of renaissance whereby um, there'll be lots of kind of small independent travel companies uh, offering much more kind of independent choice rather than these big conglomerates that have obviously suffered a lot lately um, and these big kind of resorts. And, and I think there's going to be a lot more, as you say, off the beaten track, adventure, these kind of small independent yeah. travel agents and, and travel organisers. I think that they're, they're going to rise a lot over the next few years. Yeah, I th you're probably right there. Um, to, to be honest, I, you may be the same. I never go to a travel company to book my travel. I, I no. do it all myself. So. I'm happy with that. I don't like organized tours, to be honest with you. Um, but there's some places you go to, you can't really walk around alone. Um, like Tibet's one of them. You know, you've got to go with an organized tour and get a special permit to go there. I get it. Um, but right, yeah, these uh, small companies um, may thrive offering these personalized services where the big ones sort of too organized for me. And I, I don't really know how they function, actually or the real disadvantage of doing it. it just doesn't interest me going with a big organized tour anywhere to mm -hmm. be honest with you and uh but thank i mentioned bhutan of course yeah you, you can't get in the country unless you get permission from the government but you also have to to buy flight tickets there 
you have to go through a, a travel company endorsed by the government. You right, can't do it yourself. Yeah, they, they've got it pretty well locked down. Um, so sometimes you don't have any choice, you know, but that's all right. So what first took you to there in particular? I'm, I'm sorry, Kate? What, what first took you to there in particular? Did you kind of put a pin in the map or <laughs> what, what took you to Bhutan? Oh, you mean Bhutan? Yes. Where? Oh, um, I was um, just doodling around in my office one day and I was thinking, okay, where to next, I wonder. And I read a bit about Bhutan, a very spiritual place. And I, I Googled it, some Bhutan, and up popped a picture of Tiger's Nest Monastery. And it took me about three seconds to say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to climb <laughs> it. That's my decision made right there, you know, because it's extraordinary. Just look at that picture. Anyway, um, from that moment on, I'd made my mind up and I just got into contact with a travel company there uh, who enabled me to get permission to go there and organize my pickup and took me to the hotel there and all, all that stuff. I'm still friends with the gentleman today, actually, but he um, he got me through this and uh, found me a, um, a guy to trek with me up to Tiger's Nest to the monastery there, which is a very special place, I may add. Uh, mm -hmm. So that was it. Just spur of the moment thing that was, and which is a bit unusual for me because I sometimes I study place a little bit too much and you know and probably more than i should but this was an easy decision at the end yeah it's it's um it's interesting to hear how you choose because that's that's reminiscent of how we ended up choosing some of the places mm -hmm. that we were going through our travels and um for any of our listeners um or anybody watching this on youtube um that may not necessarily have traveled um and uh, Malcolm, I don't know if you agree with this, but um, one of the reasons why um, we love traveling so much and perhaps Malcolm same is, is because once you start meeting people like we met in Putu in Bali, who, who, was, who was describing how material things don't mean anything and, and that he had the freedom and we didn't and all of this kind of stuff. One of the, one of the quick realizations that we, we had and we continually try and talk to our children about is it's the exchange of experiences rather than the things. And that's addictive, finding experiences. That's the, that's the puzzle of life, right? It's like you, you get another one and you bolt it on, then you keep doing that through your months and your years. And that's what creates this, you've referred to yourself, Malcolm, as a travel addict. And I'd say we're probably the same in that it's, when you look back over life and see that it's this tapestry, if you like, of lots of these, experiences that that seems to have yeah. a far deeper meaning than oh i'm wearing a really expensive watch or Whereas i've got a, a nice car outside like you're exactly right exactly right I, i'm for i live on a beach here in i'm in Destin, florida and it's a nice beach and yeah i could go down to the beach with friends and have a good time have a good party uh but when you go on one of these trips um that you're referring to those memories stay with you forever, yeah. not the trip to the beach. And that, yeah. that's important. But the other thing, of course, mixing with the locals is the more you do it, the more you want to do it. Yeah. And that's go back to my question, learning how the rest of the world works. The more I do it, the more I want to do it. And I'm, I'm sure you've kept photographs and got videos of where you've been. And 
you're going to look at them in future years as God, hey, hey, can you believe we actually went there? And wasn't that yeah, you, yeah. you've got things to talk about, but not when you went down the beach for, you know, to party with the family and friends for six hours on a Saturday afternoon or something. Maybe not, but I'm just saying, um, we're, we're fortunate in that regard. Uh, but even though we're fortunate, we made this world for ourselves, but it doesn't mean you have to have a, a, a boatload of money to do it. You can travel on a budget and still do it. Yeah. You know, I met a, um, a British girl traveling um, a couple of years ago. I mentioned the Sibadan trip and she'd left home. She was only about early twenties, right? She'd done her college stuff, but she decided to go traveling for a year before settling down, getting a full-time job. So what she did, she went into India and acted as a tour guide in India, then did some teaching work before she, when I met her, she was getting a, um, a fully qualified scuba diving license before she went home. She'd been on the road for a year, earned a bit of money on the way to support her travels. And that's a really cool thing to do. Yes. Probably something I wish I'd done when I was yeah. uh, 17 and 18, but as you said, is that growing up in England, you're just part of the machine and you just man, left school now, go to college, time to get a job and all that stuff. And uh, life, yeah, life just passes you by because um, one of the reasons that we started traveling um, wasn't because we were unhappy. It was quite the opposite. We were very happy where we were living. We had a very kind of um, on paper perfect life we had the 2.4 children we had the black labrador we lived in the countryside in dorset you know everything was very kind of picture box perfect but, all the boxes. but yeah but there was something that we were unsatisfied we weren't unhappy but we just felt that there was something more that we should be experiencing life and, and one of the things that kind of frightened us the most was that we could just blink and 20 years would have gone past and nothing would have changed um and that's that is our kind of key philosophy is that to live a life well lived you need to cram as many experiences as you can into it that's right because there will come a day when you're lying there they're getting ready to pull the plug <clears throat> and you don't want any regrets do you in life so you do it while you can yeah absolutely and uh i've got a theory about why you like uh you like uh discomfort or putting yourself into more challenging situations when you go to travel because um i because i i think some of the clearest and most enjoyable memories we've had from our travels have been the ones that have done exactly that yes have put us like in a moment of fear or discomfort or, or whatever it is and just outside your comfort not fear so much but just outside yeah. your comfort zone i think and you don't appreciate and it, it's weird because those experiences in the at the moment or in the moment or even in the, the the immediate weeks after don't seem to be that important but it's a, it's 12 months down the road when you reflect on it and you realize how big yeah. and important those things are and they always they never really when you're lying on a on an inflatable on a nice pool on a, <laughs> a, 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 a whatever it is they don't seem yeah. to have the same effect as yeah. as those more challenging moments no. or bucket list yeah. moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no you're taken for granted at the time when you're doing it you just oh, just enjoy myself here but then yeah you're down the road I think oh I can't really believe I did that yeah that's it's, it's a yeah. nice yeah. thing to to uh, to uh, remember isn't it yeah 
that's good. Exactly. All good. We have um, we have a travel group on Facebook that um, it's got about fourteen thousand people in there, and they're all avid travellers, um, family travellers, most of the t- most of them. Um, and a, a question that comes up there a lot is, what places kind of disappointed you? What has uh, you know you, you've gone somewhere and it's not lived up to your expectations? And I'd like to ask you the same question: Where, where have you been that's just not not ticked the boxes like you thought it would? Uh, one place that stands out in my mind, and this may surprise a lot of people, Venice. Ah, really? Yeah, yeah. I went to Venice. I thought, okay, it's, it's sort of just too many people. Yes. Yes. Too many people. Crown restaurants, and it's just, you know, they just should be left. I don't stop people going there for a while. That that would be my impression. But yeah. a few years ago, uh, we went, did the, the big three uh, in Italy, the Venice, did Rome and Florence. I've never been to Florence before. I enjoyed Florence more than the other two, actually. And it was fabulous. Yeah. But that comes to mind as uh, I, a little bit I thought was um, overrated. Um, I'm trying to think anywhere else now. Um, they're probably, that, that's the one that just comes to my mind. Um, and oh yeah, here's another one. Belize, Belize city, in the mm-hmm. country of Belize. I had to go there for work, and it was, I don't know, it was in disrepair. That's what I thought. Anyway, yes, mm-hmm. I was only there for business for a few days, but it was a bit disappointing. Not what, what I would expect. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's that's just a couple. Yeah, we were we were astonished at how busy Venice was when well, we were in Venice. I was going to say we had an interesting experience actually because um, I'd agree with you. I've, I've been to Venice a few times just by coincidence, with uh, only once with yourself, but I'd been when I was younger, and um, it it uh, I went when it was very very hot in the summer and absolutely packed. Um, I went in yeah. the middle of winter and it was quite enjoyable because it wasn't packed. And when we went, it was packed most of the time. But do you remember there was a thunderstorm? Yeah, it was a huge storm. And nobody went out apart yeah. from us. Hey, we're, there and we're, we're there with our umbrella and we had the whole city to ourselves and it was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, oh, okay. yeah, everything was flooded. Um, it was the most surreal experience, actually, because I remember there was it was a lightning storm. But the, the best way I can describe it, it was the equivalent of someone just standing in a room and just hitting the light switch <laughs> as fast as they can. And it went on for nearly an hour. Yeah, it? it was constant yeah and, the, yeah, and the thunder never broke. So the thunder just continued. Yeah. It was a very strange experience, but yeah, it was, um, but I remember when it was, when it, when people did come out, because you were in those tiny little alleyways as you walk around and you're constantly, yeah. Lord knows what it'd be like in the future now. Yeah, yeah getting get into a restaurant in the evening. Yeah, and I know, but that's just my experience. Maybe the time, I, I, I don't know, but my sister, uh, she lives in Nailsworth in the Cotswolds there, and her and her husband love Venice, and they go back, but they stay out in the outskirts, mm-hmm. and, and they, they like it there, which I'd never experienced, So, but they, they really like it outside of the, the crowded area. So, yeah, mm-hmm. fine, yeah. Yeah, that, that's actually what our um, 
that was our uh, tactic, I think, when we yeah. went traveling to some of the um, more expensive places like Rome, um, places like that. We always stayed on the outskirts where it was obviously yeah. a lot cheaper to stay. Um, as you said, you don't need bucket loads of money to travel. That's just Gosh, one, no. one mm-hmm. of many tips I would give people. Um, and then we would train or, or uh, get a car into the city so that we could enjoy what everybody else yeah. experiences, but without the kind of hustle and bustle and the jet day-to-day expense. Yeah. So yeah, we enjoyed that. Definitely. Yeah, I think once you've got yourself into a position where you can you can make your income non-location based, mm-hmm. like you're the way your capacity to earn income non-location based, I think you have to travel. You have to experience other places because the the exchange, the value exchange, is just enormous. If, especially if you're living in the UK, listening or watching this, because the 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 the, the sheer expense of uh, living on a piece of land in the UK and just standing still in the UK is so expensive compared to other parts of the world. So the moment you detach location from income, yeah, try other countries. That's our advice, yes. isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't really taken a look at that, but I know it, like property is still expensive in England. Um, mm-hmm. I think compared to here, but it depends on the sort of the whereabouts where it is. But it, like London is grossly expensive to live there, yeah. isn't it? Like if you, yeah. my, my, my nephew and his wife just moved out of there. They moved down to uh, Kent out of London uh, because they found it just extremely expensive. And uh, they got more for their money in Kent than they did in London by far. And they're a lot happier now. And they can commute into London um, yeah. whenever they want. Um, but I know people don't like living in the big city. They still do today, like New York. People just happy getting on the train, going to work, whatever. Don't even own a car, and they don't have to. And um, I've never really done that. But I've been in the big city and stayed for a couple of weeks. But I didn't really. Uh, it didn't excite me. I prefer to be, you know, out in mm. the countryside, so to speak. So if I my 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 thing is, if I ever came back to to England, even if it's just to stay for two or three months. I'd probably go and live in the area of the Cotswolds in England. Yeah, yeah, beautiful area. And yeah, so whether that happens or not, I just don't know. What about when you were in Singapore? Did you stay? Were you living in the city then? When yeah, it's, it's it's small, um, but it, never owned a car there. Of course, there's no need. Uh, but what we did, we rented a service apartment, mm-hmm. and uh, by the area of Clark Quay. So it was within walking distance of everywhere. That's mm-hmm. all we need to do, walk. And we did a lot of it. And so we're in the area of Clark Key, Boat Key, Orchard Road. We, we could walk. Yeah, it's a bit hot and humid, but you get used to it. And uh, it was, it's a very classy place. No crime, virtually no crime. Brilliant healthcare system. It's got a lot going for it. And, but one of the benefits of doing that is of staying there because I would actually like go to other countries on business, then we would go there and stay an extra few days and experience uh, the city a bit more than on top of work. So that that's why it uh, was a good experience. But yeah, live, uh, sorry, um, Singapore is, is, a, is a really uh, livable place because you feel perfectly safe walking around there and it's excellent. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, mind we- going back there again. Yes, we only did a couple of days, didn't we? When we, mm. but, um, but we'd like to go back. So um, you mentioned uh, books that you've uh, been writing about your experiences. How how many is books plural? <laughs> uh, 
Um, I've written five, um, five books and I re-released one. The very first book I wrote was about uh, business travel. It's called Travel Diaries of an Atypical Businessman. This one here, right? Um, and I reissued it, but put the word unfiltered on it. Um, because when I first wrote it, there was a description of, I, I mentioned that I, I just went to, to Moscow and Cairo, like I've mentioned before, but I didn't really describe, I, I don't know for what, what time, uh, for what reason that I didn't want to at the time describe the real reason I was there. This time I did, because I don't care. So I was there for uh, US government purposes, fixing stuff, that's all I can say. But anyway, I was just, um, that's why I did this, the uncensored button, the one before that is this one, planes, trains, taxis, and tuk-tuks, which again, is about business travel. I did one called Asia Specific, which is building the business case to move to Asia to conduct business and living in Singapore. So, you know, again, but it's, the reason I do this is primarily for selfish reasons, so I can read them later on in life if I choose to and think about, yeah, all right. The thing about us is I, I, I go back to my parents, and many people are like this today. They keep um, things around. They take photographs around. They keep videos around. Not many videos from when my parents were young, but photographs and uh, videos around. But not many people keep words around. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great if we had some writings or letters from our parents, mm-hmm. you know, that we could just read? And yeah. But, you know... I don't have that a little bit, but not enough, you know. So this stuff, if my son decides to read it one day, and he said, you know, Dad, you did this. No, well, you just you know, read it. But that that was my thought as well. Plus, I give them away on the cruise ship. Well, if people come to one of the presentations, I just give them away. So that's that's fine. Works out. Yeah, it's great to have so. a legacy. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. That's 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 one book I wrote. It was because I spent a lot of time in the Himalayan areas, Himalayan kingdoms there of Bhutan, Nepal, uh, Myanmar, and uh, and I wrote about that experience. So I learned a, quite a bit about how the people lived there, conduct their lives. So I I took chapters from one of the other books and compiled it into this one, like religion, spirituality, and the way of life in the Himalayas, and why I think they do that. People live there connecting the dots, I call it, and it brings all to that. I just talk about why these people are just happy and they do what they do, living in the middle of nowhere in the mountains, you know? Anyway, that's, it's just my opinion about stuff, and uh, that's it. Really. So if people want to find your books and find out more about you, how can they do that? Uh, they can actually... Um, Malcolm J. Teasdale com is my website mm-hmm. i do have um i started because i i couldn't do much in 2020 so i started learning about the podcast thing as mm-hmm. a fill-in because i didn't, couldn't do my cruise ship gigs so i i've dabbled in that a, a bit and so my podcast name is travel addict mm-hmm. seems somewhat apropos um mm-hmm. then i'm on linkedin malcolm teasdale i've got a facebook page called traveling addict and um i'm on twitter malcolm the brit (laughs) (laughs) 
and that's pretty much it. But Malcolm J. Teasdale is a website where I mostly put stuff up there, you know, um, mm -hmm. places I've been. I've got my candid opinions about things on the planet Earth. Some I like, some I don't like. Clips of videos I've made, and there's a clip from when I climbed Tiger's Nest, a video of that, um, and photographs. And it's just, that's it, pretty, pretty much. That's just my, my website. And, it, and there's a list of my books there and description of the chapter names and what country they represent. And uh, you can click it and it'll take you to a bookstore or something like that. Anyway, that's me. Brilliant. So. Well, we'll put those links yeah. um, in the show notes um, for anybody that wants to find you and find out more about your your travels and your stories. Um, but thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it's been really interesting. I really appreciate this. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. And well, whereabouts in France are you, by the way? Uh, we're about an hour away from Toulouse, so we're near the near the Pyrenees. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. <laughs> All right, so you toggle between England and France. Well, hopefully life's treating you well down there. It is. And, uh, it's a nice place to be, but um, but it, it, it would be nicer with obviously without the COVID restrictions so that we can yeah. actually enjoy it a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I think it yeah. goes from Well, again, thank you for having me on. I appreciate that and uh, good talk to you guys. You're yeah, very wonderful. welcome. Good thank to you see for being you. our guest. Thank you.